Hey, it's Adam. Welcome to our weekly teaching podcast here at South Hills Church in Corona, California. Our hope is that as you listen in, you'll find yourself laughing and learning and being challenged and encouraged to grab hold of who God has made you to be. Enjoy the message. Uh, the title of my message is Partly Cloudy with a 70% Chance of Anxiety. Partly cloudy. How many of you have like just looked at the looked outside and this is what you felt? Like the that the that the forecast was for you. Partly cloudy with a 70% chance of anxiety. Now, um, I, I don't know if you have ever been um, driving and sort of stuck in a storm before, but it can be like a terrifying experience. Uh, my wife and I lived in Arizona for, for quite a while, and um, I, there are these things that happen in Arizona, uh, these dust clouds that sort of whip up and through um, the, the whole space, and uh, it's called a brownout. And uh, essentially, like, this, this massive dust cloud just descends almost all of the sudden, and, uh, you know, there's just no visibility. And I remember one time I was driving, and this dust cloud sort of whipped across the road. And, um, you know, this picture, you can, you can sort of, this is taking a daytime, right? You can sort of see, like, the lights and the trees and stuff like that, um, but in reality, at, in, during the thick of this thing, I, I couldn't see like a foot in front of my car. I was driving and everything was fine. You could see something in the distance. I heard something like on the radio and then all of a sudden it was just brown everywhere, like looking around the car. And I freaked out. I panicked. I'd never been in a situation like that before. We were sort of new to the area and um, I, I was just like, I didn't know what to do. And if you've ever been in a situation like this before, maybe you've been in a dust storm or a snowstorm where there is zero visibility. It is freaky, especially if you're on the freeway, right? Where you are driving, you know, 50, 60, some of you are just being real, 100 miles an hour, okay? I've driven past you before, or actually you've driven past me. Um, and you're driving at high speeds and all of a sudden you can't see anything, and so your mind just starts to mess with you, right? Because you start imagining what could possibly happen. You have no idea if you're going the right direction anymore. You have no idea if you are going to drive off a bridge or drive into a building, if you're going to hit another car, if that car is going to hit you. And you're not really sure what to do. Like I had this sort of sense of like, maybe I should just stop right? Because I don't want to just keep driving and barrel into someone. And then I'm like, what if I stop? And the guy behind me, whoever those people are, keep going. And then they just slam into the back of my car. But I don't want to keep going at full speed and then ram into somebody else. And there's just this panic and paranoia that settled down upon me because I had no idea where I was or where I was going. When you find yourself, you've never been in a situation like this before, trapped in a brownout, you're sort of, you find yourself in this um, cloud of murky visibility, disorienting noise, and violent winds. And all this is happening at once. And I remember even like slowing down as much as I could, trying to go over to where I thought the shoulder of the road was, I had no idea, and rolling down my window. And what you could hear was like brakes screeching and like, like thunder and dust whipping around. There were branches and rocks being like thrown across the road. It was, it was terrifying. And, you know, there is no way in those moments of knowing what is going to happen next. But when you're in the middle of it, you assume that whatever is going to happen next is probably not going to be a great thing. 
It's probably going to be something bad. And so you're just bracing yourself in the middle of the cloud for something terrifying. Now, you may have never been in, in a brownout physically, but I wonder if you've ever been in a brownout mentally or emotionally, like where your life was sort of moving in a particular direction Everything was fine. You sort of knew what you were doing and where you were going. You had a sense of who you were. And then something unexpected happened, and it caused you to question everything. You sort of lost your bearings in that moment. It was like all of a sudden, this swirling cloud of confusion sort of overtook you, and you found yourself just being like, what does this mean? What do I do? Like, where do I go from here? Like, now that I'm in the midst of this, I'm wondering if I am going in the right direction. And if I am doing the right thing, and if I should do this or that, or what this means for my life now, and we find ourselves feeling like everything that, that once seemed clear, maybe even a few moments ago, now feels incredibly cloudy. And when we talk about things, you know, feeling cloudy or fuzzy or blurry, what we usually mean is that they're confusing, they're uncertain, or they're directionless. But that's not just the way we talk now. This is sort of the way that humans have always thought about this. As far back as we actually have literature, whether we're talking about scripture or whether we're talking about extra biblical sources, that when something is cloudy, that it is like, it, it, like the, everything is sort of blurry about our future, about our present, and maybe even when trying to make sense of our past. Now, I think this makes sense, right? That people have always made this sort of metaphoric connection. I mean, if you think about what clouds are scientifically, they're essentially this mix of water and particles. It's like this jumbling of dust and dirt and sea salt. And essentially, they, the purpose that they serve is that they're barriers, right? They're barriers between the heavens and the earth. Um, they're, they're sort of this, uh, this thing that separates us from whatever is up there and out there. And, you know, sometimes that means they cover the sun, right? And everything is overcast and it's sort of dreary and it makes you sad. Um, but at the same time, they also diffuse the heat, right? So that the sun doesn't just burn up uh, the earth and our crops and our skin. Um, like they, they actually serve a very helpful purpose. They can prevent you from seeing the stars at night, which can be really annoying if you're camping, right? Um, but they also trap the heat in the atmosphere so that we don't all, as humans, freeze at night when the sun disappears. Like, they serve all of these sort of purposes on Earth. Um, they can make and release precipitation, which, again, makes them a bit of a mystery, because that means that they hold back like life-giving rain, and they also hold back a flash flood that could completely destroy everything. They're powerful and mysterious. Metaphorically, though, clouds cover and hide things. Their presence represents mystery and possibility, and they pretty much always have. And because they represent um, these two ideas, mystery and possibility, they both activate our imagination and our anxiety because a lot of us aren't really big fans of not knowing what is going on and what's gonna happen next. That becomes frustrating to us. 
Um, clouds are unpredictable, right? They hold this ability to heal our land or to kill things and people. And you can't always tell by looking at a cloud which it's going to be. You look at a cloud on the horizon, you're like, I don't know, I feel like it will go either way, right? Which can create a lot more anxiety inside of yourself. When, you know, someone tells you that there's maybe a certain area of their life that feels a little bit cloudy, most of us don't assume that they mean like, man, I just feel like my life is full of so many fun possibilities. I can't wait to see what happens next, right? Usually when someone tells us that, that their future or their present feels a little bit cloudy, we assume that they mean that they feel lost and confused or nervous or that something bad is going to happen. They're just not sure what that bad thing is going to be yet. And scripture is sort of consistent with this scientific and metaphoric interpretation of clouds. The, in, in Hebrew, the word for cloud literally means covering. Clouds separate us symbolically, um, separate God's realm from ours, uh, separate God from us, separate his knowledge from our knowledge. Essentially, clouds are a symbol for what God knows that we don't. And there's a long history of God being hidden in the clouds, of God existing and operating inside of mysteries that we don't entirely understand. And in fact, again and again, the Holy Spirit appears to humanity wrapped in a cloud. I want to give you one of the very first examples of this, and I think it's probably the most far-fetched and and bizarre and interesting and amazing and belongs in an episode of Stranger Things. And this is where it's found. Exodus chapter 13, um, verse 21. It says this, that the Lord went ahead of his people. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud. And he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. And this allowed them to travel by day or by night. And the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. So to give you some context, like God's people were just freed from slavery in Egypt where they'd been held captive for so long and God freed them through a series of miraculous events and now they're wandering through a desert. They have no idea where in the world they're going and God doesn't tell them where they are or where they're going or how to get there. He just tells them this, follow the cloud. And there is a lot of trust involved in that. When I read this story, I am amazed that these people were just like, yeah, we just follow the cloud. Where are we going? We have no idea. How are we going to get there? We, I, we're following the cloud. Where is it taking us? We have no idea. Uh, the, 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 the Israelite people during this time in history get this reputation for complaining a lot. Imagine how much you would complain if the only instruction you got about what's next in your life is like, just follow the giant cloud. You probably wouldn't be able to handle that very well either. Think of how it is that, that you and I talk to God. I think when we come to a crossroads, we say things like, God, I want to do what you want me to do, but I'm going to need a little bit more information to move forward. And I wonder what that looks like for you. God, if I'm going to respond this way, are they going to respond that way? because I want to know before I put myself out there. God, if I give this, can, like, can you ensure me that I'm still going to have enough left over to do the things that I want to do? Because I got goals. 
God, if I set a boundary in this relationship, like I need to know that like after I do it, they're not gonna hate me forever and I'm not gonna end up alone. I mean, I know I need to set it for me and for them, but like, can you just like tell me what's gonna happen first? Because if like something's gonna happen, it's not what I want to happen, I might not do it. And God's response to us, I think in a lot of these situations is just like, yeah, yeah, that information that you want, I have that information. I'm probably not gonna tell it to you. Trust me, follow me, obey me. And the lesson that he's trying to teach these people then, I think is the same one that he wants to teach us now, that we don't need to know what God knows to obey what God says. This is sort of the idea behind this cloud appearing and leading the people at this time in human history. And man, this concept is really hard to swallow because we like knowing stuff. God, I want some assurances about how things are gonna turn out. I I need this to completely make sense to me before I start moving in that direction. Like, why should I trust your mysterious leading? And we're not the first people to have these concerns or ask these questions, which is why um, the Old Testament writers give all sorts of interesting insight about God's relationship to mystery. I want you to listen to a couple of these. Psalm chapter 104, verse 3 says this. It's talking about God, and it says, You lay out the rafters of your home in the rain clouds. You make the clouds your chariot. Interesting. Nahum 1.3. Some of you are like, I didn't even know that was a real book. Look it up, it's in there. Nahum 1.3 says this. The Lord is slow to get angry, but his power is great, and he never lets the guilty go unpunished. He displays his power in the whirlwind and the storm. The billowing clouds are the dust beneath his feet. In other words, what these passages are saying, and there are so many more just like it all throughout scripture, is that all the unknowns that spark so many conspiracy theories and leave us unsettled and afraid and distracted and obsessed, all the things that we feel like we need to solve and know and get to the bottom of ourselves, none of these things are a mystery to God. Like, in fact, there's so much that you and I will never really know this side of heaven. But these passages tell us that God is above all of it, that whatever puzzles um, make you most nervous, that they're small and simple for God, that he's relaxed in it, that he allows those things to take him where he wants to go, that like these things are so far beneath him that he props his feet up on them. In other words, everything that's confusing, mysterious, and unknown to us is simple for and submits to God. And so the big question that God keeps presenting us by appearing in the form of the Holy Spirit as a cloud in Scripture is, instead of you needing to know everything, can you learn to trust the one who does? God reminds us of this in a conversation he has with this Old Testament prophet named Isaiah in the brilliantly titled book, Isaiah, chapter 55, verses eight through nine. This is what God is saying to him and honestly to us. He says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts 
and my ways are far beyond anything you could ever imagine. Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. In other words, essentially what God is saying here is like, I know there's all sorts of stuff that you wanna know, that you want me to tell you, that you want me to give you the answers to, but me trying to explain to you what I'm doing in your life is as impossible as you trying to explain to your dog that you're gonna order his food on the internet. He's not gonna get it. He loves you. He's, he's committed. Um, he believes that you're gonna feed him, but if you're like, here's the thing. Um, I ordered through Amazon. I do have Prime, so what's gonna happen is it sends an electronic sending whatever. Your dog's just gonna be like, Burr, right? He may want to know where the food is coming from, but ultimately, like, he just wants to know that there is food, like that he can trust you to take care of him. And that's essentially what this passage is saying is that like, like there are certain things that God like doesn't explain to us because we wouldn't get it anyway. We wouldn't be able to wrap our brains around it. So the question is, can we trust him when we don't know? Another metaphor for spirit that often gets used in conjunction with uh, clouds, and sometimes even instead of clouds, is water. And the reason is because both are mysterious and powerful. Neither made sense to ancient people when they're writing about God. Both represent such great potential. Like large bodies of water contained uh, fish for food, but also monsters that could make you their food. Large bodies of water to these ancient people could provide a smooth surface for sailing or choppy waves that could shred your boat and take your life. And what do Jesus' interactions with water entail? He walks on top of it. He tells it what to do and it obeys him. And, and this is what we see about these two subjects or these two metaphors in scripture. Jesus walks on water. God props his feet up on the clouds. And these things aren't just miracles, they're metaphors. Like we're being shown and told in the midst of this that God is above all that is confusing and chaotic to us. That whatever feels mysterious and powerful and overwhelming and unknown to you, that God is over and above it. And this is the case with both the situations outside of us and also the stressors inside of us. The book of Proverbs uses this, this sort of water metaphor for um, this idea. Proverbs chapter 18, verse four says, words bubble up from waters deep within a person. Proverbs 20, verse five says, the real motives come from deep within a person as from deep waters. In other words, not only are other people and situations mysterious to us, we don't even really understand our own motives and responses to things. You ever do something and you're just like, I don't know, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Why am I acting this way, right? You don't even know why you're doing what you do. And then, of course, we look at other people and they're like, why are they doing what they do? That makes even less sense to me because they're a total mystery. You know, we can see what's happening, what other people are saying and doing on the surface, but we don't know why. And we wonder, like, where does this come from? Like, what does this mean? Like, what, 
what's going on with them. And we can drive ourselves crazy with these kinds of questions about what's happening in life. But we can't even understand ourselves completely. Only God sees the human heart clearly, which is why we ought to trust his advice about relationships. But I will tell you this, um, doing what God wants us to do doesn't obligate him to tell us what we want to know. And sometimes that's the game we want to play. Maybe I'm the only one who does this little bargains with God. Okay, God, I get a picture of what you're wanting me to do. So if I do that, will you tell me this? And God is like, probably not, but you should do it anyway. It's definitely the best thing for your life. In fact, God has a history of only showing us the part of the mystery that he wants us to know, not the part that we want to know. Isn't that annoying? Where God like just shows you this one little piece and you're like, oh, what about the rest of it? And he's like, not for right now, not for you. Do what I've asked you to do with what you already know. In, in, in scripture, there's only a handful of times that God actually invites people to enter his holy cloud of mystery. And, and when they do, they always exit these experiences, you know, enlightened, but not necessarily in the ways that they're hoping for. In fact, people who get invited into the mystery of God, when they step into it in these, like, just handful of accounts that it occurs, they have this idea of what they're going to find out and experience, and whatever it is is not anything like they thought. And they exit with a few answers, but way more questions, because this is how the mystery of God works. In Exodus 24, Moses goes to Mount Sinai, and God invites him into his holy cloud. And he's in there spending time with God, and Moses comes out of that experience um, with more insight, right? He comes out with what God wanted the people to do, the Ten Commandments. But not a lot of answers about why God does or says the things he does. Moses enters into the cloud hoping that he's gonna find out, like, why, and he exits with a what. And oftentimes I feel like these are our experiences with God. I feel like what often happens is we fixate on what we still want to know, but God focuses on what we're doing with what we already know. And this, I think, is often a point of tension between us and God. We're like, God, you got to tell me about this. You got to show me this. You got to give me some insight. This is what I want to know. And God's like, what did, what did you do with the last thing I told you? Oh, yeah, I'm not going to do that yet, because what I really want to know is about this. There's a lot of areas, I think, in a lot of our lives where we know a lot more things than we are actually putting into action in our spiritual lives. And we want to know more stuff. And God is like, what did you do with the last thing I showed you? What did you do with the last thing I asked of you? And we're like, nothing, because I didn't really want to do that thing. You're not answering the right questions. I think a lot of times God is like, you're not asking the right questions. Maybe you're like, okay, I get it. I'm sure it would be nice to be invited into a cloud. You know, it'd be cool. And you're probably never going to be. I know it's a bummer to hear. But you have been invited into water to be baptized. 
which I think carries the same principle. When you look at people entering into a cloud and entering into the waters of baptism, it's essentially the same symbolism. You surrender control, you're submerged into the unknown, and you reemerge anew. And this is what happened to people in Scripture when they entered into the clouds with God. They entered into the unknown and they exited with this heightened level of trust. And it's not that you go into the water or you walk into a cloud and you suddenly know everything. The experience for people looks more like you surrender to the mystery, trusting God to know what you don't and obeying him without fully understanding. And that's the thing that leads you into spiritual transformation. And yet this is tough for us to do. I think the hardest thing for humans to do is to trust God's spirit over our own minds. If we can't wrap our heads around it, we don't want to do it. God, I know that your spirit has been sort of leading me or telling me or prompting me or pulling me in this direction, but I feel like I need more information. I feel like I don't totally get it yet. I feel like I need to know how it's going to turn out before I take the first step. And this tendency to distrust God has been around ever since the Garden of Eden. It's always been our human problem. God comes to us as people and says, this is my best for you. This is an, there's an element of mystery to it, but I'm going to ask you to step into it, and it's going to require you to trust me. And usually our response as humans is like, okay, maybe I have some other ideas that I'd love to run past you. I might have something a little bit better. It's just hard for us to silence our own egos long enough to trust the voice of God, but it's necessary. And in fact, Jesus says it this way, Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. He says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. And this is the ultimate question that the Spirit of God as a cloud of mystery leading us forward presents to us. Am I going to do things my way or God's way? Because my way makes perfect sense to me. I get my way. That's why it's my way. God's way, sometimes I get, most of the time I'm like, why are we doing this? This doesn't make any sense to me. If I was God, I would give people different instructions. And yet, we're not. But to get the most out of life, you and I are going to have to do some things God asks us to do before we fully understand the benefits of doing it before we fully feel like doing it. Because in reality, some forms of knowing can only be accessed through doing. Like there are certain things that you just can't describe. You have to experience. And God in his grace and mercy, invites us to do certain things, invites us to follow him into certain actions that he could explain, but we probably wouldn't get it. And what it is we want to know about it, we can't know by having it described to us, but only by stepping into it and doing the thing itself. In, in John chapter 16, verse 13, this New Testament author, this follower of Jesus says that when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. And I think it's interesting that it doesn't say that the spirit of God is gonna tell you the truth, but that the spirit of God is going to guide you into the truth. In other words, the spirit of God invites you to trust him, to do something. 
And we begin to experience how something is true when we do it, despite not maybe even knowing why it's true, because we're existing in the mystery. So many people, like in our church, I've heard, um, like, man, I just, I feel like maybe I'm supposed to do this, but I don't even know that I want to. And then they, they enter into that thing, whether it's serving or giving. Like, think about the absurdity of tithing. Some of you are like, I was when you were talking about giving earlier. The idea of like that God asks us to give 10% of all he gives us back to him through the local church. And that that somehow is going to draw our hearts closer to him and actually uh, bring a spiritual breakthrough in our lives. And we're like, I don't understand how that's going to work. And yet here's what's crazy. Every time we do a 90-day giving challenge and people are like, all right, I'll try it just because there's a money-back guarantee. Every single time we do it, people are like, I did it. My life is better. I feel closer to God. Somehow we have money to pay for things that we didn't have money before when we actually were giving less. It doesn't make any sense. Logically, but experientially, it's weird. Like following God actually makes your life better. Bizarre, huh? You've probably heard this phrase, you know, that God works in mysterious ways. And it, it's true. Um, it, but it's often overused, too, and used inappropriately because it's not, like, you know, unconditionally true. And essentially, what this means in, in an accurate sense is that God, through his Holy Spirit, will lead you to speak and serve and give and love and sacrifice in ways that do not make sense to you. It'll feel like you are blindly following a mysterious cloud forward, a cloud that is directing you to know and love and live like Jesus in your everyday life. But I gotta tell you, like as we are leaning into and relying on the spirit of God to move us forward into the mystery of what it is to connect with him, that God's spirit won't lead you to do something contrary to anything Jesus said or did. And a lot of times we um, sort of, we want to embrace God as mysterious so that we can excuse ourselves to do things that God actually isn't directing us to do. We just want to do. The Spirit of God, I'm telling you, the Spirit of God wants me to have this affair because I think like I can show her God's love through our lovemaking. No, that's not the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God, I think this company is corrupt. I think the Spirit of God is leading me to steal from it because then I can tithe more. If I have more, I can tithe more even though it's stolen. No, that's crazy. That is not God. What is God are these moments in which we are prompted to think thoughts that are higher than our normal self-oriented way of thinking. If God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts, then when we feel the spirit of God elevating our thinking to be focused on him and other people, these are thoughts that come from him. When we feel pulled to sacrifice more for him and others, when we feel drawn to do things that put other people first as opposed to ourselves first, when we become more interested in, in loving and giving than we do in getting, receiving, acquiring, 
This is usually the Spirit of God leading us to live like Jesus. And I wonder what would happen if you didn't need to know everything that was going to happen up ahead. If you didn't need to solve every mystery, if you didn't need to get the answers to every conspiracy, if you didn't have to have a five-year plan full of guarantees from God, what if you actually accessed God through his spirit in the form of mystery? You allowed his spirit to pull you forward in life by saying, just follow me here. Just take this next step. This is all the information I'm going to give you, but you can check it out through scripture. You can see this example in the life of Jesus. This is how I'm asking you to contextualize it in your here and now. Would you just follow this prompting in this moment? I wonder what would happen in your life, in your family, in your home. So here's my challenge to you this week, just to bring it down to a practical level, to take a few moments each morning to ask God to guide and direct you. Maybe it's in your car. Maybe it's like while you're having your morning coffee. Maybe it's before you leave for work. And then pay attention all day to any sense that the Spirit is inviting you to do something that is more like Jesus than maybe like your default setting. And as soon as you feel it, follow it. I wonder if we all took on this experiment this week. I wonder what God would lead us to do. I wonder like how much closer to him we would draw. I wonder how much more people would see a picture of what God is like in our lives. If instead of having to have everything planned out to know everything, to have all the information, if we simply followed the promptings of the spirit and allowed the mystery to lead us forward. That's my challenge to you to simply give it a try, to trust that God knows everything that you don't. And then if you do what he's asking you to do, the rest is up to him. Would you bow your heads uh, across this room today? I wanna just pray that God would cement this concept, this idea into our hearts to trust him fully, one step after another. God, we are so grateful for your presence and power in our lives. We're thankful for you as our father. We're thankful for your son, which you sent to give us a model of how to live and to die as a sacrifice for our sins, to rise again, to show us your power. And God, we are really grateful for your Holy Spirit who comes to us so often in the form of a cloud, in the form of a mystery, in the form of like directions and instructions that we're just like, I don't get how this is going to work out, but I know it's God. I know God is pulling me forward, challenging me, pointing to Jesus and telling me to model Christ in my everyday life. Maybe for us, it has something to do with giving. Maybe it has something to do with serving. Maybe it has something to do with listening. Maybe it has something to do with sacrificing. God, whatever that thing is in our lives, may we invite you in to speak to us, to lead us, to be mysterious in front of us. And God, as we, just like we did when we got baptized, we, we simply surrendered control of the moment. Somebody else dunked us in the water and when we came up, we had this sense that something new 
and exciting was out in front of us. That we didn't come up out of the water knowing everything that we wanted to know, but we came up with a sense of what we needed to do to follow you, to love you with our whole heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. God, we came up with the sense that if we chased you into the mystery and followed your prompting step by step, day by day, moment by moment, that you would lead us to become who you had always intended us to be. God, may we follow your spirit to become the best version of ourselves. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. We hope you heard something that spoke directly to where you're at right now in life. To find out more about our church, hit up our website, southhills.org slash corona, or follow us on social media at South Hills Corona. And if our messages have made a difference in your life, help us get the word out by rating and reviewing this podcast. And as always, you can support the ongoing work of our church by giving through our website at southhills.org slash give and selecting the Corona Campus. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next week. God bless.